Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guests today are Gary Jesh and Leslie Baldwin. Gary is a live animation performer and the founder of Invirtua, a telehealth learning service that uses animated avatars to interact with autistic children. Leslie is Invirtua's senior partner as well as a member of their board of advisors. She was previously a manager and special educator at Texas Children's Hospital. In today's conversation, we discuss Gary's inspiration for designing his characters, example goals they might target in a session, generalizing skills into everyday life, academic research that utilizes Invirtua's technology, and tips for parents wanting to improve the lives of their autistic children. Gary and Leslie also demonstrate an interaction with one of Invirtua's avatars, a fish named Marley. In this episode, discover what's possible when connection builds confidence. To learn more about Gary, Leslie, and Invirtua, please visit our website, autismknowsnoborders.com. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our community on Mighty Networks at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I present you Gary Jesh and Leslie Baldwin. Hello, Gary and Leslie. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. I know we're excited to be here. Thanks, Rachel. This is a real treat. Let's start with some brief introductions. Gary, would you like to go first? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, so I'm Gary Jesh. I'm located out in the western United States, right on the border of Nevada and California. And I'm here today to introduce folks to my uh, technology and my business called Invirtua. And the technology is the Avatar Adventure. And so I started my Avatar Adventure program for helping parents and their autistic children about seven years ago, and we're really starting to see this take off. And it's a way of giving these young people a chance to interact with cartoon characters in real time. So uh, that's what I'm really most excited about is helping those autistic children as best as I can. All right. Thanks, Gary. And Leslie. Thank you. I'm Leslie Baldwin, and I am originally from Michigan. My background is in teaching. I've worked with children with disabilities for about the past 30 years, but I also managed a program for children with autism at Texas Children's Hospital, which I love doing. And I heard about what Gary was doing kind of through the grapevine and went to his website to check it out and contacted him and said, you know, I've got to find out more about what you're doing because I find it so intriguing how these children are responding to the avatars. And I think for those of us working with autistic children, you know, so many of them have a hard time staying engaged with someone else in a back and forth flow. And you really see their anxiety lower and the joy in their eyes when they are 
interacting with the characters. It's really remarkable. Yeah, we'll dive deep into how that works. First, I actually wanted to talk more about the background of Invirtua. So Gary, you had already been in the field of software development, right? What made you decide to start working with the autistic population? Well, actually, that idea came about almost 25 years ago now. When I started out working with the interactive avatars in around 1993 or so, I was doing a bunch of research to uh, learn more about facial expressions and digital puppeteering and how to uh, convey messages uh, about, you know, feelings up on the video screen. And in around 1997, I came across some articles by a researcher at MIT's Media Lab, Dr. Rosalind Picard. And she was writing about how this technology that I was working in and just getting started in was going to be really instrumental in helping children with disabilities, specifically autism, in the future. And one of the things that she said uh, was that, you know, there's still a lot of research to be done on this, but there will be people who will carry the torch forward. And it turns out that was me, or I'm one of them anyway. (laughs) And so um, about 2014 or so, I uh, was working for one of my clients at a uh, psychiatrist conference in San Francisco. And across the aisle from me was a noted scientist working in uh, neurology and uh, biomedicine. And I had been performing as an avatar, you know, for like six to seven hours a day in front of this guy. And he had never seen me in person. He had always seen the avatars. And so he he caught me after the show closed and he says, you know, hey, wouldn't that be really something that would help kids? So we, I said, yeah, you know, this has been on my mind. And uh, so we, we started uh, speaking a bit and collaborating a bit. And then he really inspired me to get back into it. And so uh, that's when I formed the company in Virtua. And I started going to autism society conferences and circulating and trying to work with therapists locally here and, uh, you know, tracking down their clinics where they had practices where they would let me come in and work with my uh, avatars and their clients. So that's how it got started. Okay, got it. And Leslie, you are also on the board, right? The advisory board for Invirtua. Yes, yes, I'm on the board. And, you know, after I talked with Gary several different times about what he was doing and let him know what my background was, We kind of discussed, is there a role or something that I can do that could really be helpful? And I think through my work with children and families through the years, you just kind of learn, you know, different techniques. You know, what we used were a variety of techniques in working with children. Our youngest client was 10 months old. We had speech therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, did a lot of different types of therapy, but I felt what Gary was doing was really a complement to what a lot of these children are already doing. I don't think it's a replacement, but I think it is something that complements and can really enhance a child's ability to stay engaged and communicate successfully. Okay. So yeah, let's dive into the software itself and the actual interaction. What are some of the goals that you might work on in a session? Well, it all really depends on 
that child's specific situation. One of the things that we uh, we all know, you know, in the treatment of autism is that each one of these clients has got their own level of severity of autism, perhaps, or their own sensory perception challenges and that type of thing. So uh, when we actually set up what we're trying to accomplish, we want to work with the parents and then also if there's therapists involved to try to get as much of an understanding of the child's situation. And a couple of things that we're looking for, Rachel, one of them is where are his affinities? That is, what does he like to do? And when I say he, I'm speaking in general terms, right? Because we also work with girls as well. So what do they like to do? Um, How are they uh, functioning at their best or whatever, you know, in the world? Uh, Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's uh, art. Maybe it's from an auditory level. And then where are their challenges? And the moms seem to know all about them, which is great. <laughs> Leslie uh, is the next person. I love bringing her in, too, to kind of help understand. And then when we do set goals, we're really modest about the goals because we really like to see what happens right in the moment. But I would say overall, Rachel, that if we are looking at a goal, it's really to bring the anxiety levels down for the child in the situation where they're interacting with us. Because of that, we can say that when the anxiety goes down, the learning goes up, the self-confidence goes up. And so that's really, I guess you would say, the broad goals that we have for our clients. And how would you measure that anxiety in the moment? I think, you know, there's a lot of different things. A lot is observation. And before we're working with a child, really getting an in-depth interview and dialogue with the parents. And if there's another therapist involved to get an idea of how they react in different situations, where their strengths are, where their challenges are. But I really, I feel that in terms of working with them, and looking at the anxiety, it's looking at how are they needing to move constantly? Do you see, you know, it's sometimes in the moment with the session, you're going to look and look at patterns of behavior. And then starting with the first session, and let's say you get a couple down the line, does the child seem more engaged? Is the child more able to interact? Are they having to get up and move around a lot? Or are they able to kind of stay a little more regulated? So we're really looking at physical and emotional regulation, which is very difficult, as you know, to measure. But, you know, basically we're looking at, are they able to interact? What level in terms of developmentally are they at? And are we able to help them sustain a level of interaction, focus, and regulation for a period of time and hopefully each session to keep improving that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So. You're working on communication and social skills at the same time, right? So how are some of these generalized into everyday life? Yeah, this is really interesting. You know, um, I would want to say, Rachel, before telling this story, that when we first got started, we were doing what we call a two-room type of operation with our kids in uh, autism clinic settings. And that is where I would set up with my animation and computer graphics system in uh, one room, kind of like the observation room. And then in the other room, there would be the child with a therapist or their parent. When I first got started, I would 
was working with therapists. And so I can see the child and the therapist through the webcam and they can't see me, so they can only see the avatar. So we use the webcam so that I can see and hear what's going on with the child, right? <laughs> so this um, one little guy, his mother had told us that he was frustrated because he would go into McDonald's at lunchtime and try to order his lunch but he just couldn't do it. And it was, uh, you know, the pressure of the scene situation for him, you know, people lining up behind him. Maybe the uh, counter attendant was in a big hurry, you know, and just wanted to get everybody's orders so that he could sell more hamburgers and that type of thing. But overall, this little guy just could not accomplish getting his order to the uh, counter attendant. And so uh, we learned about that. We have an avatar that looks like a counter attendant. He's actually designed off of a young man who is autistic. So we put him in this photographic setting on the screen where the avatar takes on the role of the counter attendant. And then our little guy, we were able to coach him and help him practice what was going on from the time that he walked into McDonald's until they paid for their food. So it was really great. We could actually practice with that little guy. And so it was only about two and a half weeks of, you know, working on him. I mean, maybe like three sessions or whatever. And the next time our his mom and he came in, she goes, oh, you wouldn't believe it. We were at McDonald's and he ordered his own lunch, you know. <laughs> so it was a combination of the practice, right? Mm -hmm. And overcoming maybe a little bit of fright of some type that was holding him back and just understanding more rather than it being unknown and being afraid of the unknown, he had self-confidence. And for a 10-year-old to gain self-confidence that quickly, you know, that is a pretty special thing when that happens. We were all just like, yeah, you know, high five. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. <laughs> And that opens so many doors for him for not just ordering at McDonald's, but paying for things at a counter when he has to interact with someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's where our avatar experience, our avatar adventures come in handy is that each time we meet with somebody, that time is specially crafted to accomplish uh, something. Uh, going back to your question about the goals. So for younger people, you know, say teens and young adults, we could actually set up job interview type experiences, right? Or mm -hmm. um, maybe uh, relating with the bank teller mm -hmm. or whatever kind of challenge that we can learn about. We can set it up uh, using these interactive avatars. And they're not intimidating. Nobody is saying, you know, eye contact or anything like that. They're uh, friendly. And in a lot of ways, they can even come across as sidekicks that autistic children can start to bond with. Sidekicks who are there to help them along and encourage them and support them as the bond between the two grows. Mm -hmm. Great. Did you have something to add, Leslie, before I move on? No, I, I just um, want to say, you know, I, I really, you know, as someone who's worked with children with disabilities for a long time, it's so exciting to see children starting to blossom when they're doing these sessions. And really, you can just see kind of that gleam in the eye that, they're getting it. They're excited to be interacting rather than really wanting to avoid mm -hmm. <laughs> something. You know, it's like they yeah. look forward to the sessions. It doesn't feel like the pressure of being with adults. Sometimes it can be a little intimidating mm -hmm. for kiddos. And so I, I really 
have enjoyed being able to observe and then give feedback on what I'm seeing that's happening with the kids. And then even the interaction, if there's a parent there watching the interaction. And, you know, I think one of the best moments was, you know, having a mom say, I didn't even know he could do that. And Gary was playing, you know, a game, a matching game, and he was able to sequence and follow a pattern and his mom was blown away. Yeah. Let's look at what a session looks like. Gary, I know you have a demo prepared, right? So could you walk us through a sample session? Yeah, thanks, Rachel. Um, So uh, let me tell you a little bit about how I animate the avatars. You know, for many years, I kind of was using that analogy of the Wizard of Oz, right? You know, the the man behind the curtain. Well, actually, I've kind of morphed that now. And I I see myself more in the uh, category of like a Jim Henson on Sesame Street, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or even when I was growing up as a child, I would hide behind the couch and I would make puppets and I would, you know, (laughs) hi, how are you doing there? (laughs) You know, maybe you did too. I don't know. Right, Rachel? But anyway, here's how I do it now. Here's how I do it now. It's all basically using uh 3D computer graphics artwork, that's the characters. In the early days uh, when I got started, I actually had a setup where I put these dots on my face and I wore a big helmet with a camera on the end of it and that would automatically track my facial expressions because, you know, I, we all have different types of faces and some faces are quite animated when a person talks. Mine happens to be that way. So I, I used my face to control the animation. Nowadays, what I've done is I've actually changed my system around so that I uh, control the avatar's facial expressions and movement on the screen with a pen and stylus. And so I can actually just sit here in front of my animation system and control this character without getting up and moving around at all. So let's give you a little look at this and we'll introduce you to this avatar named Marley. So what I'm holding up in front of the screen right now is a uh, digital tablet that's about maybe 10 by 12 inches in size. And on the surface of it, we have a template that's mounted with grids and cells so that when I touch down with the stylus onto the tablet, it's actually sending commands to my animation system. And I can touch down in, for example, the head area, and that moves the avatar's head. Across the top, I have a number of different facial expressions or animations. And when I touch on them, the character um, morphs into using those facial expressions. So the character that you're going to see now is named Marley, and he's a cartoon fish, green and purple with big eyes, big blue eyes. He's swimming around, just gently floating back and forth in his environment, which happens to be a uh, nearby reef. And so we're going to ask Leslie here to kind of um, interact with Marley while we show Marley being animated. And uh, that way you can get a great idea of what's going on. Hey, everybody, it's me, Marley. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Marley. How are you today? Oh, I am fantastic. I am just one happy camper. Well, I mean, happy fish, you know, being here under the sea with you and Rachel and all your friends. Yeah. Well, have you met Rachel before, Marley? 
Never have, but boy, I sure love her ideas and her philosophy of helping kids all around the world. You know, that's that is just so awesome, Rachel. <laughs> Hi, Marley. How's that water? Is it cold? Oh, yeah, and it's deep too. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> so, Marley, what are you going to be doing later today? Are you going to be doing some swimming with other fish, or have you seen the turtles around? Oh, yeah, there goes a turtle right there, you know. As a matter of fact, just the other day, I took one of my friends who's on the spectrum, I took him to a turtle cleaning station. Check it out. Oh. Yeah. There's some big turtles. And there's Fred, my turtle buddy, and he's uh, getting his shell cleaned. So you can see we can bring our children out to all these different kinds of adventures from anywhere in the world, thanks to video and technology, and uh, they can all do it from the comfort and safety of their own homes. That is special. So Marley, do you have a favorite game you like to play? Yeah, well, actually, it goes kind of like this. Peaky! Oh! Peaky! Here we go, Peaky! Where'd I go? Marley is playing peekaboo. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> you got me. Aha. What else are you going to be doing today? Have some other friends here that are also fish buddies of mine. I like Delta and Morphe. And so uh, a lot of times we'll get together and we'll hang out and, uh, you know, tell stories and visit. And just, you know, fish like to chat a lot. So I'm pretty talkative, you know, and uh, <laughs> I like that too. Do you? I do. What about you, Rachel? Yeah, I do. I love chatting, especially on this podcast. Uh-huh. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get together again sometime. Thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. See you guys. Bye-bye. See you, Marley. Bye, Marley. <laughs> and there he goes. <laughs> All right. Well, I Wow, I, that is really cool. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed mm -hmm. it. I love how Marley's mouth was just really moving to the speech. It was yes. pretty much in sync, and those colors are so vibrant. He had, I think it was pink and yellow eyelids yes. <laughs> and really neon bright skin. So I can see how it's really engaging for kids just to kind of yeah. catch their attention and keep them interested in what's happening. Right. Yeah, we picked out about 12 or so avatars that I've created over the years that are we use in uh, in Virtua, but overall I've done more than 30 characters, created more than 30 characters for my companies. Thanks to some real special artists, we've got uh, you know great looking characters to work with. Mm -hmm. And Leslie Marley was your favorite character, right? Yeah, I think Marley is is my personal favorite. I love them all. They're all <laughs> wonderful. But there's something about Marley to me that, you know, I think it's very freeing and just he Marley's always happy. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have to enjoy it. And, I, I, and it's just fun to see the kids react to Marley and to the other avatars. And especially when Marley lets them know that Marley can see them as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, if someone has a different color shirt on or is doing something, Marley can make a comment and then you really see their eyes light up and they're like, oh my gosh, they're talking to me and he can see me. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. So Gary, where do you get your inspiration for designing them? 
Oh, let's see. Well, sometimes from my clients that I've had in the past, you know, when I was working a lot doing these commercial projects, I would get involved with clients from like large corporations in that whose art directors uh, would, uh, you know, throw projects at me, you know, and so that was a lot of fun. We have some characters like that. Malachi, the uh, avatar that resembles the autistic little boy, he and I had a kind of a special bond. And uh, so I said, you know, let me make an avatar that looks like you. And that was back about five years ago. So I'm sure he's like, you know, getting to be much more of an adult now than the avatar. He's probably grown out of (laughs) that look. But no, that was fun. Mm Mm-hmm. The fish characters were inspired by um, a project that I did for an installation in uh, the Philippines back around 2007, 2008. A company over there had asked me to build an avatar system for a virtual reef. And so uh, we cooked up this character called Mr. T there. And then the artists and I thought, well, you know, this is fun. Let's see what else we can do. And we got into it and came up with uh, another uh, four characters that are all fish that are kind of built off of the same uh, foundation as that. So yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. And how do you know which one to use with a specific child? Well, we asked the moms, you know, the moms mm-hmm. are the best source, right, Leslie? Yeah, I think, you know, we typically, you know, talk about kind of an intake process with the family and talk about what are the what does the child really love? The parents could kind of see what the different characters there are and let us know what they think their child might be really attracted to in terms of thinking they would identify with. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of where we start. And then I think Gary can talk about that process. I don't know if you've ever had a child that didn't identify with one of the characters and you had to switch. I haven't seen that, but maybe Gary has. Well, we started out uh, a few weeks ago with a um, young man from Australia. And uh, it seems like even though he is disabled to a point, his mind was racing. And so his mom suggested, well, yeah, let's see what happens with another avatar. And so it's very simple for me to switch over and, you know, do a different character. So he liked that one. I don't know how long we're staying with that one, you know, (laughs) but that's okay. You know, it's Mm -hmm. fine with me. Mm -hmm. No problem. That's one of the things that's the beauty of this is being so flexible. Mm-hmm. We can kind of go in a lot of different ways. There is a limitation in that, you know, character creation's uh, the most expensive part of my technology. So hmm. I can't just, you know, pull one uh, out of my desk drawer here <laughs> that, <laughs> from scratch, <laughs> right. you know. But uh, it's it's good to have a bunch of them to work with. Mm-hmm. And you have a team of people who operate the avatars, right? Well, right now it's myself, who's the uh, what we call avatar pilot, while we're getting started here. Uh, eventually, uh, we hope to have more uh, personnel as we uh, grow our practice. And then that brings up the other topic about we have a satellite office that we started about a year ago, or a colleague over in uh, Mumbai, India. Yes, that is our colleague in common, Shreya Jane, right? Right, exactly, Shreya, yeah. And her uh, clinic is called uh, Reservoir Now, I believe, ReservoirNow.com. 
mm-hmm. what a great person she is. And uh, she is uh, really doing some stuff. And she, I trained her to be an avatar pilot. Yeah. That was the, the setup. I said, uh, when I met her and, and we got to know each other a little bit, you know, I said, Shreya, you know, I want you to succeed over there. Let's send you our system, get you set up with our technology and uh, let's see what you can do with it. And be, I trained her to be an avatar pilot, got her system all going. And uh, yeah, she's uh, got a, a good little handful of uh, clients also now in her clinic. Very cool. And the fact that this is delivered through a telehealth model gives you a lot of freedom to work with people all over the world, like students in Australia. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, time differences, we have to kind of work around those a bit. But yeah, hopefully we'll see more and more clients coming out of the U.S. here. It's, uh, you know, challenging to get word out and to build a, a practice. So we appreciate your uh, help in doing that and giving us some more exposure you know, and we just uh, want to take them one step at a time and let the parents see for themselves how their children like it and how it can seem to help them out. But yeah, language barriers, uh, we have that a little bit, you know, and time zone barriers. But as long as they're in an English speaking country <laughs> that uh, mm-hmm. we can uh, have a telesession with, uh, we're good to go on it. Can you share some success stories or parent testimonials? Sure. The uh, clinics that we've worked at and the work with our therapists has really been special. However, it actually formed um, our attitude of how we're doing business now, right? So when I first got this started about seven years ago, I was actually looking to work with therapists and to set up our technology in autism treatment centers, and that. And so there was a therapist here locally by the name of Enid Webb. She is a speech and language path therapist. She uh, had a, two or three kids that we worked with. And, uh, you know, one of them was uh, this uh, young man named Malachi. And when I first met Malachi, um, he was, uh, had kind of an artistic, art, artistic art artistic leaning. And so while he was in the sessions, he would kind of sit there and he would be head down and he'd be with his pencil and paper and drawing and she would work really hard to connect with him. But, you know, as we introduced him to the avatar and got him going there, uh, he actually started interacting heads up and took a role in designing that avatar that uh, we created that looks like him and suggesting different animation movements. And his mom, um, Sarah, was just, uh, I don't know how to describe it, except for if we jumped into it and emotionally, right, Leslie? We would say that there was this massive pride of accomplishment that uh, she experienced, being so proud of her son that's one of the strongest uh, emotions that are testimonial to our work with these kids is uh, a mom of an autistic child. They make so many sacrifices, right? And they work so hard for their kids and they love their kids so much that even the smallest thing can just create these powerful emotions of pride and of love. And, you know, it's pretty amazing for us to be there and to have a role in that. I agree with Gary wholeheartedly. I really feel like it's such a privilege to work with these families and with the other therapists that are involved in terms of really 
feeling like you're helping them on their journey. And the parents, you know, that we've encountered have been so lovely to work with and so encouraging of their children. It's been a pleasure. And I think it's surprising. It's really a joy to see not only the child's face, but the parent is right there with them during the sessions and the parent being like, you know, like the surprise and joy of their child accomplishing something or doing something they hadn't done before, being able to stay in an interaction or even we had one young man recently who was really talking more, you know, his mom said he doesn't normally talk for that long with anybody or, you know, he was using more words within a sentence, which, mm-hmm. you know, for someone who doesn't have a child with special needs, it may not be a big deal, but I'll tell you, after working with these families for a long time, it's a huge deal. Everything is a building step to something else. And you have to take those accomplishments, celebrate them and keep going. Yeah. And these interactions that they're having with the avatars, there's a sense of realism, right? It's more than just playing a video game or watching a cartoon, right? It's very different. Can you talk about how those effects are different? Well, it's a conversation. It's a two-way conversation. Identical, really, to what we're doing here, right? <laughs> we're letting the other person speak. <laughs> you know, we're, we're sharing our feelings, sharing our dreams. We're learning from each other. All those things are what's happening right here in the moment for each of us, and we appreciate that. And I think sometimes autistic kids kind of feel left out in the world because that's a can be a really a big struggle for them. It takes a certain amount of self-confidence to do it, to be in a conversation. It's a give and take back and forth. It takes a curious mind. It also, I think, you know, good conversations require a bit of vulnerability, right? When I'm... Uh, encouraging my little guys to speak. I'm just saying, you know, it's okay. Say whatever you feel like. No, nobody's going to get mad at you for saying it or stuttering while you say it or saying it in a way that it's hard to understand or too softly or too loudly, or maybe you don't show any facial expressions, or maybe your facial expressions are inappropriate for what you're saying. You know, I think that uh, the fear starts to mount when they think about all the things that could go wrong, you know, in in that conversation. And so what we try to do is to chill that all down and to say, hey, it's okay. No matter what you do, we're still going to love you. You're talking to a cartoon. (laughs) You know, the cartoon is going to (laughs) be fine with you no matter what. You know, it sounds kind of yeah. silly, but, you know, it's it's reaching out to these young people in a place where I think that that's easier for them to connect and to uh, make the most of their communication ability, whatever it is. Gosh, you know, uh, a few days ago, we were interacting with a little guy who just basically his only way of communicating was raising his eyebrows or kind of humming you know, because of his current disability. So that's okay. (laughs) You know, I I still indicated with the avatar that he was a great little person and, uh, you know, he was fun to be around and, uh, you know, he just, you could tell he was really having a fun time. And of course his mom's a better communicator with him than I am because she's been around him a long time. So she would kind of help. And, and that's what the moms do too, is they sit right there alongside their kids and they help out. 
they facilitate. They don't get in, you know, in front of the child. They stay in the background as needed, you know. So it really supports these kids to learn how to express themselves in conversation. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing too with the families that are involved, depending on if they look like they're struggling a little bit in terms of how to interact or how to support their child, we're always there to kind of help support them also. Sometimes you can have a parent that might be helping a little too much and say, okay, let's take a breath and let's think in your mind, let's count to 10 and see if your child can respond. And it isn't always verbal in terms of how they're responding and being respectful of that and understanding where is this child trying to communicate and what can we do to help support that. And I really feel like the avatars become kind of like a play partner for the child that you want them to feel like this is someone who's on their side, who's really gets them, really likes them and is supporting where they're at and not making a judgment on anything, just trying to help support them. And I think it's so important for these kids. And that's not to say that we don't support therapeutic goals or, you know, such as uh, those brought in by professionals, right? SLPs and OT therapists and that type of thing. We totally do. We understand, you know, that they um, have their own approach to it. And so when we are working in an environment where the family has a therapist, we'd love to have them. And we do this where they are in the telehealth session also, right alongside the child. So we'll get instruction and guidance from the therapist offline well before the session starts and so that the therapist can guide us. And then we'll support that session with things like graphics on the screen, right? So like say if the the, uh, SLP says, well, we want to practice WH questions in this session so that we can support them with with graphics on the screen that the avatar can talk about that would stimulate wh questions which then can that can be measured and counted you know by the professional therapists and the scientists all along the way we never try to you know dominate or say that our method is best we just like to say that the avatar has something special to offer that you really can't get anywhere else mhm right and there was a study that was published a few years ago, right, at Brigham Young University, where they used your software to examine the social skills in a clinical setting. Could you share what the findings were in that research? Sure, yeah. It was a fairly small study done by a professor at BYU in the uh, psychology department. When I say small, I think that they had like five or six um, participants in it. And uh, they were basically doing what we do now with our avatar adventure of interacting with kids. And it was in the two-room setup rather than telehealth. Mm-hmm. So it was in the two-room setup. And uh, really, the project was uh, guided by a grad student whose own sister had uh, disabilities. She set the project up, and they were studying various things about how the uh, young people interacted with avatars in the two-room setting with therapists present, and they uh, actually documented that, and that was published, uh, I believe, about a year and a half ago. And that was actually our first published 
scientific study of our avatar technology using our software. However, <laughs> there has been a lot of research all around the world about how autistic kids interact with avatars. And so we have a bunch of that documented on our website. So, uh, you know, a visit to our website, one can look at the video produced by BYU, as well as actually read, I think there's 10 or 11 different papers about avatars interacting with kids. And their avatars, everything from like in Second Life, you know, and uh, technology similar to ours and a variety of different approaches. Still need a lot more research. <laughs> it's always a shortage of research in this area. You know, um, if I, if I just might mention it, uh, for example, we might like to know, okay, which avatars work better for boys? Hmm. Which avatars work better for girls? I mean, you know, and we'd like to study a thousand kids. <laughs> to do that mm -hmm. you know yeah. so yeah there's some stuff that's kind of out of reach at the moment but you know if a scientist came up to us and said you know uh, i like to see what i can do with the research at my university with your technology i'd be more than happy to support them and get them going all right well i'd like to close with one last question what advice would you give to parents who want to improve the lives of their autistic children Oh, that's interesting. I, I'd probably, you know, plug our work, <laughs> but no, really, I think, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, improving the lives of, of autistic children is a super challenge. I think back to 50 or 60 years ago when I was growing up with one of my cousins and in those days they didn't even know what autism was. You know, it was just, it was a learning disability at the time and it was seen like that. Well, now my cousin and I are both senior citizens, you know, elderly and, um, you know, God bless him and any others that, you know, have to go through life that way uh, with all the various stigmas that show up from country to country and that. But I would just say that, you know, continue to be discerning about the options that, that are presented to you. Continue to always be involved and be open-minded and be willing to try things if they make sense to you and your child, because all these children are different. And even the young adults uh, on the spectrum that are looking at having families, you know, autistic kids in their 20s and even 30s, you know, um, it's a beautiful world out there. Um, and each person is, you know, crafted in a separate way by God or the universe or whatever you believe in just to have a huge potential. And so Leslie and I will always be dedicated to those that potential and to the parents that help support that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and feel free about trying uh, Avatar Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's right. Of course. Um, I would probably say, and looking back on all my years of work and what I gained, and then having my own children and kind of experiences in the world, the first thing I would say is love your child. Your child is not a diagnosis, they are a child first. Remember that. Um, don't let the term autism overwhelm you if your child has recently been diagnosed. Find the people in your community that can help you, that can help support your child and your family to meet their needs. 
And really, as a parent, you become their advocate. And as a parent, you are the best advocate your child could ever have. And if you follow kind of that timeline of allowing things to unfold and knowing that maybe, you know, my child isn't going to accomplish everything I wanted them to before they're five, but there are many, many years ahead and that's okay. It's okay. And do not ever think that your child is going to stop learning. You know, I heard so many parents that were afraid that my child isn't in kindergarten by the age of five or six. They're never going to be able to participate in school or participate in life. And and I'm like, you know, your brain keeps growing. You know, I, I would hope to think that even at my age, as I near 60, that I'm still learning something new every day. And, you know, that life can be beautiful. And my hope is that they, every family has a community that supports them. Because I truly believe there is a place for everybody in this world and purpose. And you never know what that's going to be. These kids are, they're amazing. Thinking about some of the challenges that they overcome to adapt to a, quote, normal world. But, you know, I always say, what is normal? You know, quirky is better. (laughs) I love quirky. So... Yeah, I think that's probably what I would say. Enjoy the moment. Be in the moment. Yeah. So if parents are interested in your services, what's the best way for them to reach you and to get more information? Sure. Uh, So we set up a website that offers a lot of information about us and the technology, the avatars, and also our clinic, because we know that this is really something pretty unique and new for a lot of people. You can go to invirtua.com, I-N-V-I-R-T-U-A.com. You can also find us via our Facebook page at Invirtua and Instagram. So we've got a presence in social media that you should be able to find pretty easily. You can also look for me in any of those social spaces at Gary Jesh, J-E-S-C-H. And uh, that will also lead you to um, where you can get in touch with me quite easily, as a matter of fact. So I uh, look forward to uh, having a nice conversation. And of course, I'll do my best to bring Leslie in because she's the real brains behind this whole thing. So (laughs) <laughs> and the heart Too kind, Gary. The, the brains Too and kind. the heart <laughs> I don't know. no no it's a yeah we really enjoy working together and uh so uh yeah we would be more than happy to speak with you um yeah and uh moms and families and therapists uh get conversations going and i appreciate your helping us spread the word rachel that is really awesome thank you so much Well, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Rachel. And, you know, I'm excited learning about what you're doing with the podcast. I think is is awesome. The more people that can come together and learn from one another, it just makes it a better world. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. By providing a non-judgmental environment for autistic children to communicate in their own way, Gary and Leslie are boosting their clients' confidence and promoting a safe space to learn. 
families and therapists are also discovering new ways to interact with those they care for. Are you a professional seeking to hear directly from autistic voices and improve your practice? Are you a self-advocate willing to share your experiences and educate others? Are you a family member hoping to support and empower your loved one? Whatever your role related to autism is, you can join our global autism community to connect and collaborate with people all over the world. Sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. Let's work together to transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.